Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. Papa. My dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call. And you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Today's guest is going to talk about graduating to another level of class. Really, anyone can do it, and it's not just about money. Thomas Billingham is a military vet, a Gary V fan, and we met on Twitter. Thomas, welcome. There she is. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. You were all excited for this. I saw you sign on like 20 minutes early. I did. <laughs> I'm a well-prepared guy. I told you just... I got something to do. I got a commitment to you. I got a couple all through with it, right? We had our social media guy in here a minute ago and he was helping me set some things up, making sure the camera was working and make sure the mic was working. So I love it. You're the producer right now. With that, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it's a passion for me. I, I absolutely love this. And so when social media hit, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out how to get the needle out of my arm. <laughs> I really want to make sure that, you know, I, I do it a different way. And, and I say that kind of tug in cheek. No offense, everyone has a needle in their arm right now, but it just, it's so energizing, right? So in social media, I mean, that's how we got to know each other. So we get to connect on a platform where you have, we've talked about it, airplane conversation, where you feel like you can open up to somebody a little bit and say, wow, like there's someone else that's out there that, you know, you're living this complete autonomous life away from, you know, being in Louisville, Kentucky outside your association. But anyways, when social media hit, we're like, you know, you have your own media company right here and you can do that. So then now you have interest and special interest and you have motivation to create content to deliver that other people will get sick you're attached to and want to engage. So just like when we saw each other on Twitter, I'm like, oh, cool. I took an interest and started making, you know, either likes or reshares or whatever that was. And then that creates like, why does this dude keep banging on my retweets and hearts? And I've seen them multiple times or vice versa, right? And then it's like, well, let me reach out. You're doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for a reason. Let's break a little bread, have a conversation and see. Yeah, I love that. And I know that Gary V was a big inspiration to you. Can you, you want to tell that story? Yeah. I mean, if we're going right into it, let's absolutely just talk it. So like circa 2007, eight, a friend of mine invited me to a library just to talk, you know, some shop. Like, what are we selling? What are we doing? You know, digital platforms are cranking up. And he's like, now, mind you, let me preface by saying I do love Jesus. I just cuss a little bit. <laughs> I had that same towel in my living room or my kitchen. So he says, let me introduce you to this guy. I'm going to put him on this YouTube video. And so he checked it out and he comes in, he's got the, the little wristbands on his sweatbands, you know, buzzed head. And we know who Gary was or, you know, is and at the time. And so he comes out on stage talking about, you know, having the world wide web and the internet and we can do whatever we want. Talk about like knitting Afghans and mammals in the backside wanting this. He dropped a Smurf line and I about lost it, man. I'm telling, I still tell every chance I get, I'm like, that dude said, you like Smurfs? Fucking Smurf it up, right? That just brought it home for me. Like you can really do whatever you want, right? And good or bad, but yet you can promote yourself. You can learn, you can teach, you can educate, you can motivate. You can use it as a function and tool of how we do modern business. And so, you know, again, I get all ramped up and excited about that. But, you know, in reality, it's become a very fabric of, you know, what we do. So when Gary talks very direct, unapologetic and says, this is how I think, how I feel, you can be the most opinionated person you want and not have to feel bad for it. And so I just find it, you know, fascinating with the human mind. Have you ever been apologetic? Yeah, of course. You have to be. You know, as much as we like to say, I'm alpha male, I'm a certain, you have to be, or you have no soul, no, no human spirit. But th that's what we call learning. That's where you come from faults. That's where you, trials, tribulations. That's where you dig into yourself and say, how do I get better than last time? And, you know, there's a lot of that self-improvement out there right now. But if you're not unapologetic, then you're being malicious. How right? did you get better? Do you think it was from being in the service? Failing. Mm. I mean, just failing. 
I did see you market yourself pretty well. I invited you just, I think last night to my Facebook group and in there yeah. immediately, I loved it because I have a promote anything on Friday and you yeah. came up with a cute one liner and put yourself out there and made a connection day one. I mean, that is so cool. Talk about how you've learned how to market yourself better. When you get invitations and I, and I want to say thank you for doing that. And I know over here in the last couple of weeks, we've been a little bit more intentional and tense with our conversation communication. Being invited to somewhere isn't just to say, well, like my page and throw stuff to the wall, see what sticks. Why shouldn't I want to make a connection? Like this gentleman was in I think New York City and he was a chess champion. I could barely read, let alone play chess, right? <laughs> and this dude's like training world champions. What's fascinating about that, just this morning, and I'll bring that back on track, but I was going through TikTok and there is a preacher was showing a picture. I'll have to send it to you, but it was a picture of, I think it was Jesus and another disciple playing chess. I'm just going back up. It was the devil playing chess with one of a disciple of Jesus in the background. And it said, checkmate. It's a painting, like a real painting that lives out there somewhere. The preacher's telling the story about the devil having this man in checkmate thinking like life's over, right? So that's what this picture, this artwork is supposed to depict. He's taking this and it sits in a museum. This is real life. Some guy comes through it who's a world chess champion. And he's like, he looks at the freaking board and says, no, I don't know who painted this, who did it. There's no checkmate. You have one more move left. So this dude who really knew chess, like whoever painted this, didn't paint the ultimate checkmate post. He's like, and of course it goes into a spiritual thing, but I thought that was really, really neat. I love so, that story. My dad will love that story because he's a chess master. So really? Yeah. Is that the guy that friended me on Facebook? My dad, not yet, but no, no. <laughs> Evan Rabin. Yeah, he has yeah, a podcast where he he interviews yeah. a bunch of grandmasters. He just got yeah. married this past weekend. I'm so excited for him. So oh, well, yeah, he's yeah. a really good guy. He's been on and I just interviewed the rabbi that married him and his wife. So that one's really? getting ready to come out. So did you meet him on Jay Friends? <laughs> Actually, it was an extension of Evan, which is so cool. Like the best connections come from the ones that have already been on your show. And something that really resonated with me that I heard this week was your growth is not measured in downloads. Your growth is measured in the number of people that are messaging you every day. Well, like, that's I the have... impact. Exactly. You know, if, if you could dream big and, and you would never fail, I love this question. The money was there. The resources were there. Like, what would you be doing? Is it something you're doing now? I'm doing it right now today. And, and, and I mean that again, three months ago or four months ago, six, a year ago, whenever we hit the first tweet or whatever it was. And I'm like, well, this girl's out doing big things. So we think, right. So, and which we know in your case where you've interviewed Jerry Springer. We all know it, Jerry Sprint, right? So I'm like, man, do I belong? So we, we question ourselves, do you belong? When you're doubting, so meaning when you want to do big things with unlimited resources, unlimited, we have that. In real estate, when we talk about having resources to go buy something, I promise you, if you can go find a multi-million dollar property, I don't have multi-millions of dollars yet, but if you don't have the resources to provide it, I promise you, if it's a good deal and it's going to make someone else money, somebody will come in, any VC will do it. If the numbers make sense, there's always unlimited capital. I looked at a property today that, you know, I'm backed by some VCs and venture capitalist guys and investors that find me a property, we'll buy it, numbers make sense, then we split the commission. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, so then dream big as you want to dream. Hey, I have a house on the market still. Oh, it's still on the market? If you're looking to buy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, I have a couple questions around real estate that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. One, I asked you, you know, what is the biggest price drop that you've done? I mean, is that the best strategy or what do you think about making repairs and fixes and then keeping the price more around what you want? What do you think today's market looks like? And, and if for somebody that doesn't really understand how to sell a house, what have you learned? You don't want to pride yourself on having the biggest price drop because that means you came out of the gate stumbling in the first place, right? <laughs> the biggest thing anybody can do, I don't care if it's a buyer's market, seller's market, it's got to price the property correctly when you present it to market. When you go to market, you've got to have it priced correctly or else you will fail. Now, you're going to fail in terms of your expectations. 
Mm. You may not fail in terms of monetary success. So let's say you price it at a million dollars and it sells for 900. Well, if your expectation was 800, then you're 100,000 the plus. But it's like telling a story, right? So you sell it for a million, sells for 900, you want it 800. That's 100,000 to the good, right? For your client. Now, when you do it on your own, you're more likely to tell yourself a story to make the numbers inflated or devalued. So that way, when you lose or you win, you feel however you want to feel. And we do that, I think, in life as well. Well, I'm going to take this job because I, so you validate it. You validate yourself. You validate things to make yourself feel whatever it is you're looking to feel. No different than, you know, if you sit down with the client, sit down with Rena or her husband and say, this is what I think the target market is with the target market. Hear me when I say that again, target market, not what target Thomas, like not what I want to say. I'm just reading the market and telling you what I think it's going to bring. If it brings anything other than that, I'm either going to be a hero or a goat and a goat, not in a good way, right? Not the greatest of all time. So that's why it is so critical that when you hit market, that you've got to have the right price because in any market, if it's not the right price, for that market, it's not going to move. How do you not get upset with friends and family members who don't pick you? And when people want your real estate advice, but they don't want to use you as a realtor, how do you navigate that? You walk right through it. You're either going to give them what your heart, you're going to give them what you want. You're going to tell them this, this, and this. And I, this is where I think we're at. And if you do your due diligence, if you put your professional hat on and say, I'm not going to give you any real estate advice till you sign this and we're going to be under contract. Either do that and have that conversation up front, or you're going to pour into them and say, here's what I think. Do everything you would as if you were legally representing them. And the only reason that matters because now you have no recourse if you wanted to go. So that's why you don't worry about it. You just don't. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I'd spent six weeks leading up to that three weeks ago, painting and picking up trash and helping some friends. And I truly love them. I'm not going to use their names or anything here, but I truly love them. They're great people. They didn't see where we were with the market. So they came up here. And I love this segue. Thank you for asking this question. <laughs> I said, this is going to be about 20,000 more than I think is realistic. 10 days later, they dropped $10,000. So they went from... 255 went to 245. We priced it at 235. I said, this is what I think that in order to be successful, still at 245, did not sell. Still in the market. So in that case, he asked me, I told him, loved on him, poured into him, put my own sweat equity into it. Didn't listen to me. Try to beat me out of my, my commission. He did. He checked every box that you would say, I would never work with somebody like that. But because I love and care for them, if I were to go any other way, then that would just demonstrate just being ungenuine. And it just... It's not who I am. Once they get it sold, I'm going to send them a thank you for at least let me be a part of it. Or, you know, I don't want to be arrogant about it, but I just, I want to also in the back of my head, let them know because it's going to sell and it's going to sell for what we said it's going to sell for. Try to be humble about it at the same time, but sometimes it still could be like a, like a big, you know, jump in the lake. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm trying to temper some of that, but because if you don't, it's emotions perpetual. So when you perpetuate anger, told you, you should have done it my way. That's what you're going to think about. I've long passed. I mean, two hours before we were going to list this property, when he told me I was, wasn't going to be able to list it. He was going with another agent. We already had pictures scheduled, everything. And I, what are you going to do? You're either going to let it drive you down or you're going to go find something else to sell. Hopefully you got another pipeline, you know, built in. Yeah. How do you not take it personal? You, you do, but then that's when you become personal with it and you make it personal. Ooh, I like that. It's a reframe. You have to. And that's so when coming back to your question about failing, if you're not reframing yourself in the big picture, you're not doing it on a daily basis with instances like this. Tell me about something that you feel was a failure that you've now turned into a positive. Would you look at your divorce like a failure? Was that hard? So you're just going to bring that to it, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a failure. But you know what? I'm becoming a better friend to her. I'm becoming a better dad for that. And I openly talk to, to Reed, my son, about that when we, we have struggles or we have communication breakdown or we have, you know, any conversation. I do like to bring that back into the conversation that I failed. Like I failed his mom. I failed myself. I failed him. Doesn't mean that somebody else didn't trigger that. Doesn't mean I wasn't the one that initiated it. It just means mm. that I had a hand in failing. Matter you fact, did something uh, really cool, though, at the tail end of that. Like as you were going through the divorce, you did homeless for homeless vets. Uh, Was that around the same time? I think that sealed the deal. 
really you're <laughs> like well if this relationship is over i'm just gonna go pursue some dreams that <laughs> i have she came out to see me once i think like the middle of the week she brought reed out reed at the time was five or six but he came out to visit me in my little tent now because we don't think we talked about that did you research that yeah i heard you on another podcast so let's give the audience a little bit of a backstory okay so long and short of it 2016 we're getting ready for holidays you know we're doing marketing budgeting planning for real estate we got big boxes of them just came in about this time this is what we got coming in this year it's our team name Hoagland. And we give out, we have this big client event. We give out scissors, right? So this is what we're giving out this year. It's a magnet. It'll stick on your refrigerator and people just freaking love them. They go crazy over them. But we're going to invite, or we have invited up to 300 people. We're doing that Churchill Downs this year, October 12th. I'm sorry, November 12th. Day at the races. And whenever you come back to the Kentucky, you'll have to come check out a day at the races with us. But we are doing this circa 2016 planning for client events and it's easy to write a check during the holidays for homeless for charities you know people ramp up their giving after a nice few woodford reserves we had a nice couple bourbons talking to some friends and so what are we going to do this year to to give back right checks i said you know what we all sell houses buy houses let's go homeless for a day a night and one bourbon led into a few more bourbons which led into i'm like you know what let's do for five days and we chose the day after it was cyber monday through that that monday through friday so that following friday long and short it was in between thanksgiving black friday and then the week to follow during those times i mean what does black friday what does black friday mean to you rena a discount discount but what what are you doing shopping you're shopping right we're spending disposable income that we have on gifts some of them are wasteful some of them are thoughtful some of them are meaningful so homeless veterans right they're thinking about their next can of soup they're thinking about their next meal they're thinking about how the hell am i going to get out of this cold weather and survive right so they think survival where those of us that have disposable income or income at all to go buy gifts for some some people just think about survival and so from humble beginnings, wanted to do something meaningful that year. I knew that I was getting ready to go through it. We were on a rocky relationship in the marriage and I just wanted to, to do something different. So long and short, after a couple of these Kentucky bourbons, said the homeless for homeless, I'm going to pitch a tent. And do, got everybody all ramped up, coached them up. They said, Jeff, I'm with you, man. We're going to do it. Great. At the end of it, who's the only one that slept outside? This guy. <laughs> But you know what? I had a lot of support financially, emotionally. I had some you know, friends that brought me food and a couple of few beverages, drinks. We wanted to take it to heart, meaning that the stereotypical when people say, well, he's a homeless bum and he just he's going to buy alcohol. We bought alcohol and we had drinks in the tent and we, we celebrated it, you know, and I'm not ashamed of that because it brought a lot of awareness throughout the day. We had some local coverage, some national coverage. Ted Washington, who Super Bowl champion, played here at University of Louisville. He got in a plane, flew from North Carolina. I didn't know he was showing up. He just showed up. I'm like, hit me in my DMs and my Facebook. He's like, hey, big bro, um, I'm landing. I'm like, like, I thought it was a scam. I'm like, what? He said, this Ted Washington, I'm going to come help. He helped me set up my tent and everything. So if you look at some of the local coverage, you'll see when they interviewed him and stuff. And How did you get the coverage? I got a big mouth. and um, That's true. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love it though. That's so cool. I mean, have you considered doing something like that again? Yeah, I just don't know what. I got the idea from, you know, growing up, listening to radio all the time. Let me tell you a dirty little secret. I always wanted to do a radio show. I ended up doing one years ago, but I always wanted to be on radio, something like that, and just be engaging. So that's why when I got social media and I'm like, let me figure this damn thing out. Still ain't figured it out yet, but I'm getting there. You are getting there. And truthfully, I mean, with technology today, you can make your own show so easily. Sure. But that's what's fascinating about it. Like we, we can do it and then we either will or you won't. So that's kind of how Homeless for Homeless Vets started. Just a few bourbons led to, I'll go, I'll go live in a tent for a week. And I did it. And, you know, we got donations and, you know, so power of social media. That's where a lot of the, the coverage came. Like news cameras would show up. Again, Ted Washington, Super Bowl champion shows up. Just the power of, you know, what we can do these days. Have you followed up with him since? Yeah, we, we speak a little bit. He does some cooking. He's, you know, since retired. and But uh, I need to maybe reach out to maybe him. Maybe he'd like to camp out for a week with you and do it again. I don't know. He takes up a lot of space. There's not enough room. <laughs> you need a bigger tent? Yeah. <laughs> we need like three of them. I love you, Ted. I love you, bud. But come on. <laughs> 
Oh my God, that is hysterical. Did you actually end up though talking to other homeless people on this on the street? Did you talk to other vets? So yes, there's there's more of a story through this thread is that one of it what led me to to kick this off was I'd see these homeless guys that would hang out at the gas station. I'd see them all the time and give me a dollar, give me this. I'm like, I don't have anything today, bud. And, you know, being humble or I don't know, I just empathize with them or give them a dollar, give them, you know, leftovers. So I just started thinking about anytime I went out to a restaurant, bring them extra food. Like I wouldn't eat some of my meal. I'm like, I eat enough to fill me up and I got more food at home. So I just started like eating half of my meals and I would just drop it off to them. Hey guys, you have anything? Or like we would be at a golf scramble. Get rid of this food, all these cookies. Somebody take this home. You ever been to a party when someone's like, oh take yeah, this shit home? Yep. I'm like, I got a place for it. Whether it did them good or bad or enabled them, I don't know. They ate for a day and I felt good about it. So I was to it. So then right around that time is when we started doing our sipping on bourbon and what are we going to do this year? And I said, you know what? Find some homeless vets and reached out to the coalition here in town. I told them what I was going to do. They're like you're freaking nuts, but okay, we'll take your money. I'm like, cool. So got some sponsors and it's so easy. You just got to ask, right? Hey, we talk about how you got some sponsors. Was it people you knew or? Picked up the phone. Yep. So if you heard my last podcast, the one thing that comes through is that it's business. Pick up the phone, ask for it. You need something, pick up the phone. Communication. Yep. And the one thing that we spoke about last time was, and I got this from Susan Hart from Fierce Conversations, communication is the relationship. And that's something that I hope will always stick with me. I hope I can meet Susan Hart one day who wrote the book. It is so critical. Have you reached out to her? Yeah. So I've reached out to the Fierce line, not directly, but I love your style because when I bring something up, you're like, have you done this? Where's your action step? Do it, right? <laughs> I need to be pushed like that because I doesn't. I got great ideas, but sometimes I just, I suck at execution on certain things unless it's. Have you always been like that? No, (laughs) not at all. I'm very jump off the bridge and figure it out later kind of guy. Hopefully there's enough water to below me to (laughs) soften the blow. I'm curious too. I know your dad was in the military. He was in the air force. I heard that in the other podcast too. How did the service impact him? No, didn't really talk about it much. And that's some of the strains I think that I just have with my dad's relationship and I just overall general. I want to know more about him and tell me this. And like he really sticks to news, weather, sports, what Graham was doing, what this uncle's doing, whatever it is, just very general topic. So something for me personally is that having this and be able to open up to someone that at one time was a stranger. Now I consider a friend. I mean, I've opened up to you more so than I've probably opened up to him or, you know, vice versa. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because the goal is to open up. The impact still to open up and be who I am, not rest that on the shoulders of my dad to be like, well, why didn't you help me do this? And why don't you help me open up? Well, he did in a way that he's so blocked off and sealed that, okay, so I can't go through you. Got to go around you. Still there. Doesn't doesn't change anything. So when people are like, oh, you're going to go on this national podcast and have daddy issues. Like, I ain't got freaking daddy issues. It's only an issue if you want it to be. Like, Ooh, I don't toss and that's turn good. it. Right? That's yeah. really good. I love that. Um, Actually, you said that you're kind of processing things and that you're writing a letter. What has that been like for you? And you know what? I still have not sent a letter. You know what I did instead? I just picked up the phone and called, just like I said, I picked up the phone and called them. No different. Communication is the relationship. What type of communication are you having? At that point, I was sitting there writing that letter and I'm glad you brought that up. Cause yeah, I picked up the phone. We had a conversation, just talk. How's it going? Right. So we went back and forth and it was still very like brick wall. Again, I smiled and loved on him. We talked a little bit, tried to get some answers. Of He just wouldn't budge. Like he wouldn't give me dad stuff, I guess. I don't know. That's so big I, of you though. I give it to you. That's, that's, I feel like braver than a letter. And I appreciate it. Cause it was, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, do I just call him? Because I anticipated a fight. So last words, again, I'm wrong a hundred times a day. hundred times a day, at least I'm wrong. And I wasn't right this time either. Because the last conversation we had was, I told him, go after yourself. I did not want to live with myself knowing that's what the decision I chose to hit, whether it was validated, which you can never validate your own actions. If you feel they're wrong, if I felt I was wrong and those are my actions, I got to own that. And that's something that just stayed with me. And so that's why I wanted, I guess that letter was almost like a BS excuse to clear your conscience. Yeah, right. I promise you. And so when it got to- You don't want to end it on that, right? 
No. And my dad does, he's not, you know, he's not the healthiest guy. We've almost lost him a few times. So that's why I picked up the phone two weeks ago. And I just, you know, this past Sunday, I was hoping he would have called me because we, we ended on a good thing. We exchanged I love yous and, you know, oh I'm my sorry. God, that that's won't... so big. Yeah. Good for you. That must have felt good. Good for him too. You know, because yeah, he didn't have to pick up the phone. Good for him. He picked up the phone because I don't know what he was thinking, but I know the last words that my dad heard before this last conversation was go after yourself. And then. And you turn that into love, man, that's yeah. major. Well, look, don't forget I was in the Marine Corps, played football and I, I'm an alpha male. So I tell people to go fuck themselves all the time. Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and there's like, the promo please. clip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but when, you know, you say that of the heat of battle, the heat of passion, you mean that you're like, you're angry about something. And so that communication piece is, I didn't want to tell him that, but that's all that comes out because that was my form of saying, I'm mad at you. I'm angry with you. I'm this, I'm like, I don't see eye to eye with you. Why don't you see mine? So it's very selfish to say that because you're just trying to, you know, annex them off. That is so introspective of you though. I mean, how many times do we do that to our kids too? Probably not enough. <laughs> I'm just, you hold those in, but but that's the temperament, but you're, you're right. You know, I'm definitely son, thinking it. Yeah. that's what I'm My son who's 13. Now we have pretty daily conversations about life anymore because I got to the point where like, I'm like, I'll cry to Oprah. Uh, I'll go fight seven bears. Like, I don't care. I'll jump off the bridge under, you know, in some water daredevil risk taker at times. But then I'm like, I see a Pampers commercial. I'm like, Woo! right? Or Oprah. So that's that emotional intelligence that I try to foster in myself. Comes back to having introspective personality is that if you're not coaching yourself up, that means that you're listening to what you're talking, what you're saying. You um, learn from talking. And yeah. I am curious too. I know you have a close relationship with your son. What do you want to pass on to him? What are you trying to instill in him? What are some good moments that you've had with him, him. that you're trying to improve? I want him to be him and have him the, the ability to see that, right? So all the things I'm working on myself, again, this comes right into the coaching role. What would I want him to do? I want him to be him, but he's going to have to monitor his moral compass as we all do, right? And make sure that if he starts life with a clear heart, mind, and spirit, then that's his to to paint. That's his to develop. That's his to create. So I want him to understand he has that ability to create himself. Mm -hmm. He has that ability to not be a product of his environment, good or bad. Because something I'm trying to eliminate on myself is being a product of my environment. We talked a little bit about that. I, I actually would like you to talk about classism and how you've kind of overcome that or tried to. So that's the other thing. I, I just got done saying that, like, I'll fight seven bears and I'll cry to Oprah. I don't want to start crying on the arena show here. <laughs> Come on, give me those tears. Have your Hollywood moments. <laughs> I don't know if I can give you tears today, but maybe. So I see a therapist once a once or professional counselor. I don't care however you want to say it. Somebody you talk to once a month and she asked me if I'd ever heard the term class jumping. I'm like, no, because mm. I don't really look at people as classes. I look at people as people. And that in turn gives the ability to like to give my son. If you put yourself in a class, well, then you better wear that hat, right? If you're going to say I'm in this class of people, then you better define it at the height of it and you better wear that if not you better go be reed bellingham and be reed but as we all understand what classes are different class of people we put ourselves in there somebody's going to define whether we do it ourselves you know being self-righteous by saying i'm not a part of any class on this that's not what i'm getting at as much as you know within a certain scope of financial social economics like where do we fit in society class jumping is going from impoverished conditions or maybe the wealth because you can class jump perpetually right so we started out again very poor impoverished conditions and on welfare and the whole nine yards i never wanted that I didn't look at his class jumping and I look at his living. Did right? you want to be rich? Hell yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know what rich meant. I don't know mm. what it means now, right? I don't know what it's going to mean tomorrow. I don't know what it's going to mean when I'm considered rich. Right now, I'm probably considered very wealthy in someone like in Africa that has nothing, right? But then with the social economics and circles I run around, like 
I'm broke. I'm poor. I guess. So, you know, I'm sitting here in my office outside of the brokers here in Louisville at Remax Premier. You know, you got millionaires, I suspect, right? And, but that's only my view. I don't look at their bank account. I don't ask them. But that perception is, I guarantee our broker's got an M in the bank or at least net value. He's probably got more. If I'm being completely honest, how do I treat that? How do you? You respect it, right? Hmm. So what's the conversation? Again, I'm going to bring it back to what's the conversation? The conversation is the relationship. Hmm. I can walk into his office and have a conversation about real estate. I can have a conversation about sports. He's a former athlete as well. He's he's an open, and that's what I love, I guess, about real estate, at least the brokerage, my firm, my team, is that when you can share, you know, carte blanche and carte diem and seize the day and like, and you combine that and you get to live that life that people read books about. Now you're living life, right? That's richness. It is. It's it's that happiness that because how many people would be afraid to go talk to a Jay Pitts to say, well, the guy's a millionaire. So what? I mean, and and I'll say so what in terms of he hasn't worked. I mean, he's worked his ass off and he's continuing to. And I know some goals he has. I'm not going to air them out here because they're his and his to share, but he's shared that with me on some one-on-one conversations. But what I'm getting at is that we look at classes of people. I'm not a millionaire. He is, right? I suspect he is. Is society telling us like we're not supposed to hang out or fraternize eyes? Fraternize, whatever. Fraternization. <laughs> I can't, that's a mouthful, but do you see what I mean? Where yeah. so we put those pressures on ourselves to not belong. So not about being rich, but if it's a class of person, when someone says, Rena, you're a very classy lady. How do you feel about that? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel if somebody compliments you and say, Rena, you have a, you have a great style, very timeless. Really love that you're a put a hair in a bun and put in a baseball cap and go after it kind of girl. But yet, you know, I've seen pictures where you're dressed up and dressed to the nines and you're very classy and elegant. Two different themes, whether you're at Wrigley or you're on stage somewhere, that's somebody else's perception of you at that time and moment. You know, what's so interesting about that? I even recently did a reel on Instagram. Yeah, I can show myself in a baseball cap. I can show myself photoshopped in a very nice photo shoot outfit that I was doing for a magazine. I can show myself as a mom, but they're all the same person. Yes. You're not going to change out your five foot, 318 pound frame that says no matter what I put on or take off or dress up. The, the mind, body, and spirit is still the same thing. And how many people can you really share all of those sides with? Not everyone. We think we can. That's the thing, though. That's the power that we think we can. We think that, you know, we can go out and be this to everybody. Nobody cares. No one Los cares. Angeles. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody you can cares just stop there. Yeah. But we've... <laughs> We put these pressures on ourselves. If we don't, that, you know, in our little ecosystem we live in, somebody else is going to care, right? And, and some do, but you've got to help them care. And for what reason? They only care if you're helping them. So, yeah. Servant's mind. Servant's yep. mind. Heart. What are you going to ask my dad? Oh boy. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> And I always say that because probably arrogant about the thing where, again, uh, comes You're back. like, to I got a good one. <laughs> I'm a creative guy. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be like, how was she when she was seven? Did she throw a baseball very well? So let me frame it by saying this. In Kentucky, we talk about, I'm sure I'm going to mess it up, but if any bourbon listeners are out there, please beat me down. All whiskey is not bourbon. All bourbon is whiskey, something like that, right? So a, a whiskey is not necessarily a bourbon. A bourbon is not necessarily whiskey. A parent, right? So the, the show's better call daddy, right? Which I love. Can, can I stop? Can, can I talk about this real quick? I, yeah. I, I want to say how much I admire you and thank you for having this podcast and the content you put out and, and having that label, that title. Because that, again, it's when someone's like, oh, you're going to go talk about your daddy issues. I'm like, again, I'm daddy issues. Well, you're going to go talk to someone that some girl that has daddy issues herself and did a podcast around it. You know, no, because those are the people that don't have introspect and they don't think. But obviously your father has put something into you and instilled something into you that you would put his name on the building, right? That's pride. That's pride, honor, love, respect and courage on your end, right? I know. I was like, is it kind of weird that like, you know, I'm in my forties and I'm still using the word daddy, but I was like, I'm going with it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? Right? It's a great word. Well, and from, from a marketing perspective, right? Let somebody say, oh, who's your daddy? It doesn't matter because good publicity, any publicity is good publicity. It's good publicity. I saw this guy on Instagram yesterday. He's like, are you looking for a daddy? I'm like, yeah, mine. Right. <laughs> 
there's so many ways you can play off the daddy thing. It totally works. And like for SEO, there's father, there's father's love, there's yeah. daddy daughter time. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with it. But being able to have that, as I was, we were talking earlier about Reed, I want Reed to be him. Your dad's done a hell of a job making Rena, Rena. And I love Thank that. You. I absolutely love that. I admire that because obviously you. we are all impacted one way or the other by our parents, birth givers, that central nucleus of whoever, because at one point you are a day old and somebody, whether it be a nurse, a doctor, foster parent, a real parent, an aunt, uncle, whoever impacted your life, the, the church that some kid was left on a doorstep. And we hear these stories all the time that yeah. so, so was a few hours old, left on a doorstep. And we think of that as like, oh my gosh, they never had a chance in life. The hell they didn't. You could be left on a doorstep and go out and do amazing things. And there's many people that do, but it's the people that pour into you, right? It's the people that you don't have to go by the label of dad and mom. And, you know, we put, we, we touched on this before where it is a label, but it's supposed to mean something, right? No different than a realtor. A realtor is supposed to mean something, but if you don't do your job, what good am I? that I really will be broke and won't be selling any houses, right? So a label, a teacher, a coach, a bus driver, a priest, God forbid, that's a whole nother episode, but <laughs> but that's supposed to mean something. And when it doesn't mean something, that's where that trouble lies. In. And people will accept it. I don't accept the fact that I got any daddy issues or a fractured relationship or a strained relationship because I still have me in the mirror, right? I still have myself that I've got to be accountable to so I love the fact that you did run with that and what it means, what it stands for. But it, coming back to a bourbon's a whiskey, a whiskey's not necessarily bourbon. So here we go. A parent doesn't have to be a dad. A parent doesn't have to be a mom. So my, my point is that you're a parent, right? But you're a parent mom. Would you make a good parent dad? Would you make a good dad? I guess my question is, does your dad think that you would make a good dad? I don't think I would make a good dad, but... Wow. It would be interesting to hear what he has to say about that. Because I think, honestly, men and women play different roles. Play different roles or assume Are different roles. roles, assume different roles. My husband makes a really good dad. Like, we are much different in what we bring to the table. I feel like I really am, like, the nurturing one. And he is the, like, systematic. He's a protector. He is good in the corporate arena. Like, I, yeah, I am. He fills in my gaps. Like, he puts his foot down. If, if discipline has to happen and I'm much more like laid back, I'm kind of messy. I'm a creative, like if we need to be somewhere on time, he's getting us there on time. If we, yeah. you know, if we need to be prepared, he is a prepper, you know, <laughs> <laughs> does he fill your gaps? As you said, do you feel his though? I hope I do. I think no, that I've helped him do. come out of his shell. I think that I've helped him be more social. I think yeah. that I've helped him be comfortable in who he is. He's a good looking dude. I saw him. I was creepy. <laughs> He's a good looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. So yeah. We are opposites cool. though in so many ways. Yeah. Which I also think is interesting. It's funny. Like I'm his type. <laughs> I had to get yeah. like approval from my girlfriends to make sure he, you know, he was yeah. my type. <laughs> See, I, I, we went down this path, I think a couple of weeks ago where I don't know that I have a type. Oh, if you, yeah. Like if you line up everybody I've dated, they look all different and they are very different. I was trying to figure myself out. <laughs> but I, I think in finding your other half too, it really truthfully is being in a good place yourself, like doing that personal development. Like I was in a serious relationship before I met my husband and then I took a year and a half off, like literally from dating yeah. anyone. I right. got into yoga. I got healthy. I was in a job that I liked. And I'm, I'm all like, about some downward bog. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go into a pigeon right now. I don't care. I'm wild like that. But yeah, I was like, how did I get in that last situation, right? Like I had to get super introspective and really clear on kind of what I wanted the next relationship to look like. Do you feel you failed at that or you wanted that? Oh, finding the right relationship. Because I feel you, like, yeah, I definitely wanted that. I dated a lot you, of the wrong people first. <laughs> and that wrong, and that's the failure. Like we, we put that label on that we failed something, right? Oh God. I was definitely seeking love in all the wrong places. That is actually something that I haven't talked to my dad so much about. I think he kind of knows, but that was like a chapter that I didn't very much share with him. And it's because my mom got married young. You know, they met when she was in high school and, you know, I, I go to this sleepaway college and, you know, live in big cities and, and she wasn't really able to prepare me for that. It was kind of just like, figure it out yourself. And, and
and my dad too, you're complimenting him for letting me be myself and, and really letting me find my way. But, and, and he'll probably give me some pushback here in order to really let someone be themselves and find their own way and be, you know, an individual, they are going to make some hurtful mistakes and hopefully they're not too harmful, right? Like hopefully it's nothing that you can't come back from. And my dad definitely gave me space, maybe too much space to learn some tough life lessons. So right there, you just nailed it. You analyze that to say, probably gave me too much space. So that's you being able to, I don't want to say judge because I think that's a negative connotation, but evaluate him doing his job as a dad. So that right there, that you would make a great dad. And <laughs> Maybe, and I mean, I am critical of myself as a parent because I think that I am more protective of my children because of some of the trouble I got into. Yeah, that's a whole, so you know what? Maybe I'll be honored enough to have Part you on two. the <laughs> Yeah. You, you really inspired me all these last couple of weeks when we were talking about it. And I've, I've always had, like I said, wanted to be a radio show host and all this stuff. I went on when I did your review of Stephen Covey. I went and said, log in or, you know, start a free podcast. So I created a podcast and I haven't done anything with it yet. I'm going to have to lean on you a little bit for some guidance, but it's called In Class. I so love it. In class, I got a little logo and everything on there. And it's kind of what you talked about. You asked about classes of people. If we're going to class jump, I, I got it from, we're always learning. So what do you learn? What are you, what's associated with learning? You're in class, you're in school. And then are you in class? So if, again, Reed wants to go live in a different class of people. Wow. In that class, are you staying within your class? And if you are, be at top of class. And if you're going to move, so... I called it in class and that's because of you. So, Oh my God, what a huge compliment and very classy. I love it. <laughs> so I'd love to work on some of that. If you could help me out or give me some feedback or guidance. That is fantastic. It. No bigger yeah. compliment. I mean, seriously, I am so proud of you and I would Thank love to you. be a guest or yes. any questions yeah. that you have, let me know. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of go for it. I'm going to plug in and Heck just, yes, whatever. You know, yeah, it's called In Class Podcast. There's my little bombshell. If it's a bombshell. Yes, I love it. Are you going to have your son on? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to find a way for him to do something with it. I start, I, so I started doing TikTok. Speaking of that, kind of shift gears real quick. I know we're probably running out of time, but I was doing a TikTok and I was recording. I was at like 450 people. And I'm like, let me see if I can just get to 500. And it was just me recording. I said, Reed, how do I get to 500 followers? And then he comes in, he sticks his head in. He's like, pay me, I guess. Right. So he always wants money. He's always thinking about how to make money. I think that he gets it honest. I'm trying to induce some of that. But so I, I'm going to put him in the podcast somehow. And again, where it says better call daddy in class where my son is impacting me so, so immensely. I want him to be a part of because he's he's teaching me how to be a dad as well. That um, should be your byline. Yeah, he's teaching me how to be a dad. I love that. That's amazing. That's really beautiful. And I I, I thought about that. A, I didn't want it to be, again, a full disclosure, whether this is recorded and used or not. I just want you to know that as a friend, I didn't want to be like, oh, I met this guy. We really hit it off. We're really cool. And now he does a podcast and it's going to be about his, like, I, like, I didn't want to replicate that and duplicate that, right? I mean, it's a totally different relationship. I would take that as a compliment. Although growing up, anytime my sisters, you know, copied me, I'm like, get your own. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I, funny as is, I used to have a a Facebook show that was called the Monday Bell. We'll play on words of Bellingham and me. I love Mondays. Again, some of that came through Gary V. He used to have, you know, Mondays are the great, like when people wake up in the morning on Mondays, they're like, this sucks and blah, blah, blah. And I hate life. And I don't want to go to work because then they're thinking five days ahead that they've got to do all this work in one day. Like for me, I hate Fridays. I'm not like today. Like I can't stand fucking Fridays. Um, <laughs> it makes me nervous. Like I, I'm, I'm not joking. Look at this. I swear to God, I brought a football in, in my office today. It's like a pacifier for me sometimes. Like I'll twirl it. Like I get the fidgeties because holding a football like makes me feel comfortable because I know how to snap it. And But I got to hold on to a football sometimes and coming on to talk with you. I, everyone's like, why are you bringing a football in the office today? I'm like, it's a pacifier kind of thing, man. I think <laughs> like you should take some of your, your Gary V love and make some clips and try to get his attention. You never know. He does pay um, attention online. 
I've put some stuff out to him before in tech. I asked him a question over Twitter years ago and he answered with a one-liner, but I asked him, I said, do you like affiliate marketing? And he said, no, and just kept moving on. <laughs> and I have, flip that, keep yeah. it, you know, resend it, re-reply. Yeah. Do you still feel the same way? Yes. Right? Yeah. Hey, see, that's why we're BFFs. This has been absolutely such a pleasure and an honor. I really loved this episode with you. Thank and you. let people know how they can find your podcast, connect with you, all the social, all the bragging. Let's go right now. The In Class Podcast is on Podbean, right? And I got that through Better Call Daddy. So you can find me on Facebook, of course, Thomas Bellingham Real Estate. Not too hard to find. I got a big forehead or five head, whatever they call it now. <laughs> Yeah, LinkedIn, Thomas Bellingham, Twitter. I started doing that a little bit more. I love Kentucky Homes. I used to go with the iHeart NY. So I used to have this little iHeart KY Homes. So I went the whole, I love New York, ripped that off completely. Then kind of just faded away from that and started going with Thomas Bellingham Real Estate, where I'm at. And then now again, I'm with Remax Premier Properties in Louisville, Kentucky. I joined a team, partnered up with Matt Hoagland, which has been a true friend of mine. I was over at a competitive brokerage, Keller Williams which I love my friends at KW, Gary Keller's freaking awesome. Jay Papazon, all these great mega agents, John Clyde. And that's one book I want to tell you about real quick, but yeah. uh, all my friends at KW, I learned a lot at Keller Williams. I cut a lot of teeth there and it's, it just ran its course for me. And now again, being at Remax Premier Properties has really soothed my soul in many ways. A friend of mine where he, he saw, he's like, you can do so much more. Why don't you? And I said, I don't know. Right. So we sat down, we talked one day, had a beer and we decided to make a partnership and I humbled myself to him. And I said, I don't need to be the team lead. So he's actually my team leader. I pay him to to be a part as you know, portion of my commission. And, but we all pay to pay to learn, right? He helps me out so much. I don't want to tell him this, but I pay him double, right? He, Matt Hoagland's such a great guy, just a genuine dude. And, and I hope you guys get to meet him here real soon. And we'll tag him in this. We're going to send him this episode. Yeah, that would be great. I love that guy. But John Clyde. So another book real quick, I'll name drop John. If you look him up, he wrote a book called Leaving Six Figures. He was a state trooper. I'll give you the highlight notes. He was a state trooper in Jersey for 17 years and started picking up some real estate, doing this. He left three years before his full retirement and said, you know, everyone's like, why are you leaving, you know, full retirement of whatever, $60,000 a year to go sell houses? He's like, because I'll make that up in, you know, a month. Just goes to show you that somebody that fought to go be in the academy for so long and committed so long for it, he said, this is just what I'm born to do. Right. So check out my guy, John Clyde out there, leaving six figures. Phenomenal dude. Yeah. I'll um, put that in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah. I love recommendations. If I was going to introduce the Better Call Daddy show, you better get better at calling your daddy. And I need to take my own advice for it. But I don't know. You got me stumped. I, I like that. That was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed my time on the Better Call Daddy show. So I want to continue to in invest in myself by investing in the friends like you and get used to calling my dad. Hell yeah. Thomas Bellingham, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, hon. Have a great day. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. And this is Thomas giving you really a couple of very interesting perspectives to look at. Number one, he's really just a magnet to wanting to learn from whoever and anybody and do role playing. And that's part of his question is that what do I think when it comes to my daughter, my daughter was a man instead, or would you be a good dad? So it's very interesting how he's always searching out different perspectives and very interesting concept because I would think that if you were my son or if you were my daughter, if I set the right example and gave you opportunity to learn and develop and hopefully continue as you're doing with the show to create a legacy that you would respond to those responsibilities just as well. I would be very confident that you would be a terrific father or a terrific mother. That's sweet and generous of you to say. But I also agree with your assessment that females and males are wired a little differently. They have their own role or perspective of a role. What's interesting is that Thomas is also mentions in his episode with you that he wants to be able to rise above his environment where there isn't boundaries between necessarily male or female, or even between different classes of people, that everyone can learn experience from each other and learn from your own mistakes 
and be able to be on an upward trajectory where there shouldn't be this stereotype that is done by most people or judging. I like the way he said that. He looks in the mirror and he's his own critic or his own judge, which is the one that counts the most to him. And it should be like that with everybody, where we really shouldn't weigh so heavily what other people say or do. It should be your own conscience that hopefully guides you and makes you feel good about whatever you're doing. And there's always going to be bumps all along the way, which I think is unique to everyone because everyone has their own set of experiences that no one's going to experience exactly the same thing as someone else. We have very similar things that concur, but not exactly. And everyone also is going to react a little differently, even if we were under all the same circumstances. And that's the beauty of being human and having this opportunity to have choice. And you wouldn't know about these choices unless you do really experience a lot of them. You can read about it. You can talk about it. But the most effective analysis that one can make is by actually living it and doing it yourself. I also liked his reference to that Gary Vee story and smurfing it up. Like, Isn't that something? Leaning into what you do and how you do it and going for that, you know? Well, I think he loves the, the role-playing scenario. And by being open-minded to be able to put yourself in more than one situation and to someone else's eyes of looking at things, I think is a, a very, very good way of really getting a fair perspective of the situation that you're in. If you only look at it in a biased point of view of only your way, guess what? You might be missing even the right way of doing it. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. What about when he camped out for the homeless? That was a crazy story. And this is where, again, he had seen a cross blend of people and different classes of people. And he wants to be generous. He wants to be respectful of all walks of life because he believes that in order to really overcome one's environment, you have to have that perspective that everyone with the right opportunities and with the right learning curve and with the right experiences and as you know, you and I would also add, it's nice to have some mentorship and have somebody set the example for you and give you that positive encouragement, I think goes hand in hand in this theory. But he is trying to tell you, especially veterans that have served your country and defended the liberties and freedoms that we so cherish, see them in a line of homelessness or where they can't even afford to even get a good meal without help is quite demoralizing in a, in, a, in a way of our great country. He's trying to tell you that these people can achieve the same greatness and be just as helpful to the country than necessarily where other people would have the perspective that now they're a hindrance to the country, okay? That there's a big gap in people's evaluation. Thomas is, I think, more correct that everyone, no matter what class that they're from, have the potential for greatness. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 